Welcome everyone to another episode of the Veterans and Ag Podcast, brought to you by AGD Consulting. I'm your host, Mike Desop, and here we explore the stories and insights from the military veteran and supporter communities who are leading the way for vets in agribusiness, ag tech, and agripreneurship. We swap stories, talk ag, and show how the grassroots nature of the ag community can be a natural fit for the military veteran. Margo Hale is the Southeast Regional Director at the National Center for Appropriate Technology, also called NCAT. Since 1976, NCAT has been helping people build resilient communities through local and sustainable solutions that reduce poverty, strengthen self-reliance, and protect natural resources. From 2011 to today, Margo has led NCAT's efforts to train military veterans interested in agriculture through a program called Arm to Farm. NCAT's sustainable ag training program specifically for military veterans. Through that career, she's worked in the fields of sustainable livestock production, beginning farmer training, and regional sustainable ag outreach. In this episode, Margot and I get into her upbringing on a dairy in northern Arkansas, the realities of starter farms as sources of family income, and this linkage between NCAT and the Farmer Veteran Coalition. We also talk all about the origins of NCAT's Arm to Farm program and all of its interesting details. We talk about some of the common missteps that veterans make starting a farm the first time. And finally, how veterans can image their way through, so to speak, taking the next steps in scaling or building their own farming businesses. Enjoy. grandparents were dairy farmers and um, my parents were dairy farmers. We, um, we had a dairy until I was fairly young and then, you know, farm crisis of the 80s. And my parents sold the, the dairy, but I continued to uh, raise dairy cattle and show um, cows throughout my, you know, childhood and teen years. I was very active in 4-H and FFA and um, I always knew, you know, whatever I did, I was going to be connected to agriculture in some form or fashion. My, my dad was a county extension agent. And so that was just, you know, in, <laughs> in my life constantly, I uh, went on to the University of Arkansas, where I received degrees in animal science and agriculture and extension education. So, um, you know, my, my childhood, <laughs> my family's history um, definitely influenced where I'm at today. So I'm curious if there are, uh, if there are instances or one particular story that stands out to you from those experiences where you still use something you learned from that time or event or mistake or success today. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. Um, there are so many, it's, you know, hard to, to pinpoint really any one thing, a couple of things come to mind. Um, you know, I, I think about all the time, like going and visiting, staying with my grandparents, you know, on their, on their farm. And um, even after my family, you know, we had moved into town off of the farm, but my grandparents still had the, were still living on the farm. And so, you know, that, that's just my childhood, you know, thinking about, you know, going fishing and seeing, seeing the cows and the barn cats and the garden. And, you know, I mean, that's just like so important to me and, you know, having those experiences and being outside and, you know, being in nature, 
And that is something that I've always loved being outside and being with animals all throughout my childhood. I, I thought I was going to be a veterinarian and that's like from the time I was seven, I think that's what I said I was going to do. And, you know, in college things changed. Um, but, you know, just having the access to the, the outdoors and the animals, um, has just stuck with me. And that's still what I love. My husband and I, we have a small farm here in Northwest Arkansas, and we too are raising our daughters um, with those experiences. My husband grew up on a farm um, in Mina. And so just the skills you learn um, on a farm and, um, you know, having access, you know, growing up around animals and growing your own food, those are the things that we want our girls to know how to do and appreciate and understand. There's some seasonality to row crop production that as a dairy, as a dairy man or woman, that seasonality doesn't really affect you, right? You're twice a day, 365 days a year, whether you like it or not, right? Yes, you're, you're in it. Um, dairy farmers are the hardest working people. Mm -hmm. I mean, all farmers are, um, but the relentless nature of dairy farming a good way to put it. Um, <laughs> is, um, it, it is, it is real. And, um, you know, it's a, a ch very challenging business. And so um, coming from, coming from a family of dairy farmers, I have a very <laughs> tender place in my heart for, for dairy farmers. Has there ever been a point, you know, prior to where you set your family up now, where you decided, man, I just don't know if I want to go back to agriculture. <laughs> I mean, would you ever have those sort of lingering doubts about, is this worth it? Well, I think there are times on any farm where you're like, is this worth it? Is this really, <laughs> is this really what, how I want to spend my time? Um, is this worth the heartache, the hassle, the frustrations, the things going wrong. Um, so of course there are times like that. Um, you know, I think one, one big difference that, you know, for my farm, my husband and I, we both have off farm jobs and our farm is not our livelihood. It's a very important part of our life, but we aren't depending on it to support our family. And so that dictate dictates a lot of those you know feelings and emotions um and so we don't have the stress level with our farm production you know yes we are running it as a business and we do try to you know <laughs> make some money and we raise a lot of our own food and we know we're providing um you know good healthy um meat and produce and fruit for our our, ourselves, our family, you know, our family and our friends and, and some of our community, but, um, you know, we're not relying on it to, to pay the bills. And so that, you know, um, we don't have quite as much pressure on us as, you know, a lot of farms do. That's, that's, that's certainly something I want to get into as, uh, as we get a little bit later in the interview and how you guys have sort of shaped this program around this idea of these kinds of farming practices for veterans, but mm -hmm. let, let's sort of walk into that process. Um, after you left Arkansas, did you, you know, pursue some other career paths or did you do some other things before you came to NCAT or, and if you didn't, how'd you find out about NCAT? Yeah. So I'm still in Arkansas. I'm still based in Fayetteville, Arkansas. 
And when I was an undergraduate student in the animal science department, I saw a flyer one day about a local organization that was looking for a livestock intern and it happened to be NCAT. And mm -hmm. um, so I started as an intern when I was um, getting my bachelor's degree and stayed on as an intern throughout my graduate degree. And then when I, when I finished my master's degree, I was hired full-time as an, an agriculture specialist at NCAT. So I've been at NCAT for um, like 18 years or something like that. Um, so I've always been here, which is, I know, you know, not necessarily a common thing to stay at one place that long, but uh, clearly, clearly I love it. And um, it's a really good fit for for me and you know how I want to be helping and serving farmers. I haven't heard you mention anything yet, Margo, about uh, the connection between NCAT and the military veteran. How did that become what's obviously a passion for you today? Mm -hmm. How did that materialize, materialize at, at NCAT? So NCAT is a national nonprofit organization, and our focuses are on sustainable energy and sustainable agriculture. And we have had sustainable agriculture programs for 35 years. And um, so our, our longest running program is called ATRA, and it is a farm bill authorized program. And um, it has been in existence since 1987. And so through ATRA, we develop educational resources for farmers and ranchers. We provide one-on-one -on -one technical assistance and we do trainings. And so, you know, doing trainings for farmers is what we have always done. And so, you know, that's, that's where we were at. You know, we work a lot with beginning farmers, small scale farmers, underserved farmers, all across the country. And um, it was in about 2011, the Farmer Veteran Coalition was mm -hmm. just getting formed. And um, we have an office in Davis, California. And so our office there met Michael O'Gorman. And immediately we started working with FBC. And um, the very first grant they got, they contracted with MCAT to host some workshops and trainings for veterans because they're like, you guys know how to do farmer trainings. So, you know, can you help us out? And so it was through that. And then at the time we had a staff member here in Arkansas, Terrell Spencer, who is an army veteran. And he, at the time was a beginning farmer as well. And he was like, this is what veterans need. Like they're coming into agriculture. They need training. They need some intensive you know, intensive hands-on training. They need the support that NCAT can give them. And so, you know, from that, we said, okay, let's, let's develop a training specifically for veterans. And we put together our first Arm to Farm training and it was held in June of 2013. And the rest is history, as they say. Um, it, it really took off and we have continued to see a need and an interest from veterans who are getting started in farming or looking to expand their farming operations. And um, so we are thrilled that we're still, you know, nine years later, still offering Armor to Farm trainings and um, know we will be for years to come. 
I know the team at FEC well. We've actually had several of their leadership, Jeanette yes. and Rachel uh-huh. and Will, on mm-hmm. the podcast uh, last I year mm-hmm. or so. So, I mean, just really, I ran across them just in kind of researching some initiatives for our own farm here in Northeast mm-hmm. Texas and became a member and then said, wow, there's a lot of potential here for uh, story opportunity through what they're doing, mm-hmm. et cetera. So, I mean, you were, you were at the at the beginnings of this sort of initiative at NCAT, what has it been like for you to work with military veterans for the first time? Has any of that been what you didn't expect? I had, you know, done probably hundreds of trainings for just farmers, you know, and likely, well, I know there were veterans in those groups, you know, but it wasn't, they weren't training specifically for veterans. And so the first time we held an arm to farm training, um, one, it was the first time we had done a week long training and a week long training with, you know, bringing in a cohort of participants. And, you know, we were, we were together the whole week um, and classroom sessions and on farm sessions. And so it was unlike anything we had done and, you know, quite so intensive. And so, you know, there was some, apprehension about that and how that would go and once again bringing together 30 strangers and (laughs) for a week and and seeing how that would go um but immediately I could tell a difference in the group um being that they were a group of military veterans so even though none of them knew each other and they were coming from different places and different backgrounds they did have that shared background and just the camaraderie that they had with each other from the get-go and, you know, that common language and just those, those shared experiences um, made the training and, you know, the training environment, um, it just eased all those tensions and and made connections so quickly. You know, you don't see that with other training groups, um, you know, not to the extent that we see with our arm-to-farm groups. And, you know, training after training, it's the same thing. Um, each time I feel like, you know, I'm going to be surprised and sometime it's not going to work, but it's worked every time as far as the group coming together and, um, you know, having that, that connection and that bond and the willingness to share with each other and open up and, and, you know, they, they're really great participants because they are there because they really want to be there and they have decided you know farming is what they're going to do and i'm sure you've you know discussed this and um, with many folks on your podcast but i see that veterans make really good farmers you know they are not deterred by um all of those challenges that that come up like we just talked about you know they that mission mindset and the like i'm going to do this i'm going to figure out how to make it work. And if something goes wrong, I'm going to reassess and I'm going to figure out a new way to, to meet my mission. And so just having that mindset, um, you know, they are so eager to learn and to get the information. And so much of the information is new to the participants because, um, you know, I would say most of them don't come from a farm background that come through armed to farm training. You know, they're coming to agriculture after their military careers or, you know, in the midst of their military careers or whatever it may be, and um, have have found farming uh, 
for, for and through a variety of ways. And so, you know, because they've decided this is what they're going to do, they, they really are committed and, and make great participants and um, learn well together. Talk us through what that program looks like for a veteran. How do they get into it? If they get accepted, I assume, what can they expect? Uh, what kind of education, how are the instructor or cohort people brought in to teach these different things? Okay, so for each armed farm training, we are limited to a cohort of about 30 participants, and that's for group size and, um, you know, training ease and things like that. So we accept 30 applicants, uh, 30 participants. And um, for every arm-to-farm training that we have offered, um, with just a, a couple of exceptions, we always receive two to three times as many applications as we have spots, sometimes even four times as many. You know, we usually get between 80 and 100 applications for 30 slots. So I always tell people, for me, that's the worst part of arm-to-farm is that I don't have slots for every person who applies. Um, and that's the reason we are continuing to offer arm to farm trainings and continuing to seek funding to be able to provide more trainings um, and also trainings in new locations. And so um, if you look at where we've held trainings and our future locations, our goal is to spread these trainings around the country to make them uh, accessible to more folks and make sure the trainings are, you know, regionally um, uh, appropriate and we're being able to touch the you know farming and agriculture in all different regions and so what the training looks like is it's you know five days Monday through Friday and it's a combination of classroom sessions and on-farm visits and hands-on activities and so the classroom sessions we cover things like goal setting and whole farm planning access to USDA programs, that's that's a big one, and also just access to other programs, whether it be extension or state departments of agriculture or uh, lender, lenders or, you know, kind of <laughs> the whole gamut of uh, resources that are available for farms and having speakers from those agencies and entities come in and share about um, their agencies and the programs and the services that they offer for farmers or um, in some cases specifically for farmer veterans. And um, we cover record keeping, um, you know, financial management, soil health, you know, kind of a, a whole, the whole gamut. And then for our on-farm uh, time, we visit a variety of different farms. And the majority of our under-farm participants are you know, starting small farms, you know, just coming into to agriculture, we know it's um, really challenging to, <laughs> to get in and start a farm, especially with, you know, limited uh, capital and, you know, all the things that it takes. And so most of the folks who are interested in Arm to Farm are, you know, getting started with, you know, five, 10, 20, 100 acres. Um, and so, those are the types of farms that we, we typically visit that are, you know, kind of that small to mid scale and, um, you know, a lot of times are direct marketing their products to customers are yep. really involved in, you know, farmers markets or local restaurants or CSAs and um, things like that. So we'll visit diversified vegetable operations, 
um, different types of livestock operations, maybe a fruit operation or agritourism or you know, kind of depends on where we're at and what types of operations would be common for folks to be interested in. And so um, we, we visit those farms and get to hear from those farmers and, you know, hearing from somebody who is in it and somebody who, you know, has made it past that hump of, you know, three to five years in their farm and they are successful and they're making it work and they're able to share with our participants about their challenges and things that they've overcome and how they deal with certain issues. Um, so it's really great for the participants to hear directly from those farms. And now that we've done Arm to Farm for a number of years, um, the really wonderful thing is in some cases, we are able to go visit the farms of Arm to Farm alum. And so I love it when we're able to do that to just show kind of full circle, like, they were in your place five years ago, and here they are now, you know, getting to host you and um, share their operation with you. And so we always try to have some hands-on activities at farms as well. Just, you know, most of our participants have probably started doing something, um, but, you know, are still trying to figure out what exactly they want to do on their farms or if they want to enter into new enterprises or things like that. And so I'm giving them a chance to, you know, handle some livestock or harvest some crops <laughs> or, you know, put up a high tunnel or whatever it may be. Yeah. Um, just giving them some little tastes, um, you know, so they can say like, yes, I think I want to do that or nope, I know I definitely don't want to do that. <laughs> What's the selection criteria you guys get used to get from 80 to 100 applications down mm -hmm. to 30? So usually first is the geographical, you know, preference. So, you know, the folks who are in that state where the training is being held or are from that region, um, once again, we're, they're going to see things and we want it to be applicable to their own farms. And so it doesn't make sense, you know, from someone from Minnesota to go to New Mexico because the types of farms they're going to see just that doesn't, yeah. doesn't quite relate. So the ge geographical is one. Um, we know that Arm to Farm is um, most useful for participants who either have land or have access to land and um, are, are starting to do something or like are just about there. Like, okay, I have this land and I'm trying to figure out what to do with it. Or, you know, we, um, we can lease this hundred acres from my neighbor. And so trying to figure it out, or we, we moved here last year and we started, you know, started growing vegetables or we started with some chickens and, you know, we're thinking we're going to add pigs or we're going to add cows, or we want to try to go to the farmer's market next year. So kind of in that, that's kind of the sweet spot, you know, of, of where all of the information that we're giving them, they can take home and apply it immediately. They can say, okay, I can go home and I can contact my USDA, USDA office and an NRCS agent can come out and, and walk my pastures with me and help me with a conservation plan. And I can do that next week. And so um, that's, that's a big criteria is, um, you know, there are a lot of folks who are interested in farming and um, I'm, you know, thrilled to be able to provide them with resources, but we know that Arm to Farm isn't going to be as helpful for them because it's just theoretical. And um, so we want them, we want folks to be able to, you know, apply what they're learning um, and, and be able to make changes on their own operations. 
Um, and so that, those are kind of the, the main criteria and we it's geared towards beginning farmers and so sometimes we'll have folks apply I and mean, be like i've been farming for 30 years <laughs> and um i say let's get you connected with with some of these newer folks um but you know armor to farm is is really geared towards um the the beginning farmers and those who are just trying to figure out what they're going to do with their farm operations and are you pulling from local universities or extension agencies or internal to NCAP for the folks who are doing the in-class part of the instruction? Yes, all of the above. So our NCAP staff, we have expertise in just about um, anything and everything related to sustainable agriculture and farm business management. And so um, usually at each arm to farm training, we have about three NCAP staff members there who will teach a variety of sessions. Um, we bring in all of those USDA agencies that I, you know, Farm Service Agency and NRCS and Rural Development. Um, we bring in people from SBA and um, usually like Farm Credit or another ag lender. So bringing in all of those folks. And then, you know, we always, we usually have partners on the ground, um, especially when we're holding an arm to farm training in a state where we don't have an NCAT staff member. So we typically have partnered with another nonprofit organization or sometimes university. And so um, those partners also will help, you know, provide content and training. And then, you know, the farmers that we're visiting, they, they do a lot of education for us. And uh, we, you know, we spend about half the time on farms and half the time in classrooms. And so um, it's, you know, a combination of, of a lot of different folks um, who help provide that information. We have a, a great partnership with the National Ag Law Center, which is actually based here in Arkansas. Um, but one of their staff members has come to most of our armed farm trainings and, you know, talked about the legal aspects of, of, you know, running a farm business and some of those uh, legal things that folks need to be aware of. And so, you know, we just it kind of put the schedule together and use those local partners and our NCAT staff and, and others um, who, who will gladly help train, train the farmer veterans. It's such a huge point for veterans to try to take away from this is that not only are there resources out there that you can pursue, mm -hmm. but there are other people as resources yes. that have walked in your path in many ways uh, that yes. you should use to determine if this is something that you want to do and if it is how and where. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I just wanna say that is a huge part of Arm to Farm is those connections. Um, that is one thing, one um, thing that we really focus on at NCAT is being a connector and um, connecting producers to all of those resources that are available, connecting them to other producers. And then through Arm to Farm, it's really connecting the veterans to each other, like I talked about earlier. And that is such a major outcome. And, and so we, you know, we see that. Um, actually, the very first Arm to Farm training that we did, um, one of the participants, she, she had been working on a farm and, you know, she was interested in farming. Um, and she met another participant and at the end of that week it was decided that she was going to go work on her farm and she did for many months you know and that was a connection made at arm to farm you know and so that 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 participant was able to go and get some real hands-on experience as 
um, you know, the other other person was getting their farm started and, and getting it up off the ground. So, you know, just things like that is um, a great, those connections are just invaluable. The second idea is around the business end of this and it as um, a unit of providing for your family in a, in a way that you can scale these things. You and I are in unique situations, I think, as, as an example to the point where we have small farms that we operate, that we sell things off of, that are not primary businesses for us, but our supplemental income. The veteran is in a position in some cases where they have supplemental income, perhaps through uh, disability or through retirement. But in, in other instances, the farm needs to be a sole point of, of economic return for, mm -hmm. for a veteran. So in instances where you have a veteran that comes to the Arm to Farm program that doesn't have that supplemental income or another profession already working, how do you guys approach, how do you approach structuring this in a way where it can be a true platform on which they can, they can build a business? So a couple of things. Um, one is, I think it's important, important point, and I don't know the exact number, but according to USDA Ag Census, it's something like 90% of farms have off-farm off income. And so, um, and I think, you know, for most farms, like the majority of income, household income is off-farm income. So I think, you know, that's an important point um, for farmers, beginning farmers to realize. And another really important thing that we focus on at Arm to Farm and really all of our trainings is the idea of whole farm planning and coming up with the goals that you set for your own farm. And we recognize that every farm is different and everyone's reasons for farming are different and everyone's, you know, income needs for their farm are different. And that is okay. And so um, we help, you know, we help these participants understand um, and have everybody on board of what their farm goals are and what they're trying to accomplish. That's a big focus of like understanding your goals and how those goals are going to dictate all of those other decisions about your farm. Do you guys go as far as recommending that? starting first-time farmers have some form of off-farm income before they get going? Or do you kind of stop at the point of saying, this is something that's typical? Look yeah, at Yeah, I mean, we don't make any like <laughs> recommendations. We don't say, this is what you should do because okay. it really is up to the individual and you know their family, their spouse, whoever is involved in their farming operation. Um, you know, all of that information I just shared with you is what we, you know, what we share with participants. Okay. Like okay. it takes, you know, it takes money. Um, you know, do, do you have a plan? I mean, we talk a lot about, you know, planning and, um, you know, risk assessment and risk management. Uh, you know, do you have a plan? Um, you know, is health insurance important to your family? If it's important to your family, then you need to have a plan for how you're going to get health insurance. You know, if, if having money for a family vacation is important to your family, how are you going to make that happen? So um, once again, it's all down to the person and 
okay. what their values are and what their goals are for their farm. And then helping, you know, helping them, of course, like, okay, here's some suggestions or here's how you might get to that. Um, and, you know, most all of these participants, you know, they're getting started and, you know, everybody kind of like bootstraps as you're getting started and like, you got to fund, you know, fund your farm from yeah. somewhere before it starts generating income. And, and yeah, a lot of participants do have some, some income already, whether it be through, you know, disability or oftentimes they, you know, they're retiring from the military. Mm -hmm. And um, so they have that retirement income, which is a huge advantage. Um, and, and they recognize that, you know, like, yeah. they like, you know, I, I've, I've put in my 20 years or 30 years or whatever, and I have this income and now it's my time to get to choose what I, yeah. what I'm going to do. Where do veterans stumble the most as they mm -hmm. come into this process for the first time, either in your one week course or in the first year of, of their, their operations? A couple of things come to mind. Um, one, in the course, there is just so much information that we are presenting. Um, you know, a week sounds like a long time, um, but when you start filling in the schedule, it's really not that much time. And, and so, you know, we're trying to convey as much information as possible in the short amount of time. And so um, that is challenging just because it's, it's so much. And I think what one of those things that makes that challenging is, especially for the participants who do not come from an agriculture background and really are new in agriculture, they begin to like see like all the things that they didn't know that they didn't know. <laughs> and so that kind of is overwhelming for a lot of folks. And, you know, we always make a point of saying, listen, we know we're throwing a lot at you and um, we are here for you after this week is over. So all you have to do, like we give them, you know, a binder full of resources. We give them several books, you know, that are really good reference books and, you know, contact information. And like, we, we give them lots of things to take home. And, you know, I just say, all you have to do is call me, send me an email and be like, what was that one thing that that one guy said the one day? And, you know, that's my job is to know, to know what that was and to follow up and say, okay, this is what we talked about. And this is who you need to call. And, you know, here's the number for your local office. Um, you know, but I see that as they're like, oh my gosh, I didn't even know I needed to know all of these things. And so, um, just the overwhelming amount of information, um, and especially, you know, as they hear from other producers and hear from the other participants, it opens their eyes to so many things that are out there that they, you know, didn't know about good and bad. That also translates to, I think, one of the stumbling blocks that I see is they are so eager on their farms, you know, getting started and they're so excited about growing things and providing food for their family and their community that they often, um, do too much too soon, <laughs> which is common for a lot of beginning farmers. You know, this isn't just, yeah. not just for veterans, but um, I, I see this a lot. Um, you know, you get a little bit of this and a little bit of this and a little bit of this and a little bit of this, and then you're spread too thin and you're not doing any of those enterprises very well. And so sometimes we'll see 
you know, throughout the course of the week, um, you know, by the end of the week, participants will say, okay, I'm going to kind of scale back and refine what I'm working on. Like I need to focus on getting these systems in place first um, before, <laughs> you know, before doing all these other things. How do you guys approach a veteran who's got a good basic um, model and is looking to grow it? So we always go back to those farm goals first and, okay. and some of those things that they have identified as, you know, important for themselves or their family. Um, you know, some folks will say like, I'm not a people person. I do not want to go to a farmer's market. And we say, okay, great. Stick to that, you know, stick to okay. what you know, and is what important and what is important to you. So okay. If you're not going to go to a farmer's market, how are you going to market your products? Mm -hmm. And, you know, depending on, and that depends on where you're at, obviously, mm -hmm. and the, the types of markets you have around. If you're raising livestock, do you have access to processing? Um, you know, what's your land base? What are the resources you have? Like, do you have money that you can, you know, add, add more livestock or, you know, put up a high tunnel so you can expand your growing season so you can, you know, get into restaurants or, okay. um, you know, sell okay. directly to customers. So it's kind of, you know, it's a big puzzle really yeah. of like, um, you know, sticking, always sticking to that farm goal, you know, what is important to you and your family and what, what things are going to help you get there? You know, what can we do to work towards that goal? Of course, at some point, you're, everybody gets to a scale where you kind of have to make that leap. You've got to yeah. either, you know, like invest in more land or invest in more equipment or infrastructure or invest in labor. You know, that labor piece is, is a, big, a big deciding factor. I mean, I know sometimes it's, a, okay, I can stay at this scale and, you know, all the labor can be provided by, you know, myself and my spouse or my family member. If I add this enterprise or if I, you know, increase production to a certain level, I'm going to have to hire labor. Mm -hmm. And that is a challenge. I mean, it's been a challenge. And I think even more so, I know even more so the last couple of years and especially on smaller operations where you probably can't hire somebody, you know, year round. And, you know, there's just a lot of extra complications, you know, when you get to a scale where you're hiring labor. And so sometimes that's a deciding factor for people. I'm like, nope. Okay. I know I need to stay at this scale. So what can I do to, you know, maybe improve efficiencies or find a market that's more profitable or decrease costs in some other ways, or, you know, choose certain enterprises that are going to be a fit for the labor that I have. I go back to one of the earlier points about, it seems like the approach you guys are taking is regionally, individually, familial specific, right? So I really yes. like that. As yes. well, that's, I just, I have to make the point, you know, National Center for Appropriate Technology this and is where I, appropriate, where really te going. appropriate technology is those small scale local solutions, like the solutions that make sense for you and your farm. I mean, that's kind of like the real basic definition of appropriate technology. It's, you know, there's not one size that fits all. It looks different for everybody in every place. And so figuring out the solutions 
that work for you and work for your farm, you know, and help, help you move you towards those mm. goals. Yeah. I was viewing as somebody with an engineering background, I was viewing the technology part of the name as hardware or sensor. No. <laughs> how, how, are you guys, Sometimes. <laughs> is that a part of the conversation during the week course um, on farm sensors or, you know, moisture sensors or anything like that? Wearables for livestock. Yeah. It, I mean, it kind of depends. Um, you know, honestly, most of the time it's lower tech solutions. Those, um, is, are some of the things we talk about, but, um, we, you know, appropriate technology. Once again, we talk about it. We talk about, um, small, small scale equipment, equipment that makes sense for small farms. Okay. And, um, you know, there are all sorts of, you know, different types of equipment, different types of tools, um, definitely there are some technology things that we talk about, um, you know, more and more, there are advances in technology that, you know, make things easier, even if it's simply everybody has a computer in their pocket mm -hmm. <laughs> and we can keep records really easily mm -hmm. and we can send out invoices, you know, from our truck and things that we couldn't do 10 or 15 years ago. And so, um, you know, figure once again, figuring out the solutions, figuring out the things that make sense for each individual farm. And, um, you know, of course, there are operations or, and there are participants who will adapt, um, adopt a lot of, you know, technology things. I mean, sure, there are folks who, um, you know, use drones to monitor their crops and, you know, uh, soil moisture monitoring. That for sure is something that's you know, discussed. Um, but once again, we're thinking about our beginning farmers and those who are coming in at small scales and trying to find solutions, you know, like on the cheap, <laughs> what, what's the, what's the cheap way I can do this. And so, you know, we kind of cover the whole gamut there. Margo, it's been a, it's been a true pleasure. Uh, I, I really thank you for your time. I want to be mindful of it, but I want to leave you. Uh, I, I want to make sure you give us an opportunity to, to get how we would get in touch with you or folks that are listening. But I also want to ask you if there's anything that we haven't covered that you feel like we should, or anything I haven't asked you that I should have asked you. I, I think you've asked me, I can't think of really anything um, other than to say that we are continually adding arm to farm trainings to our schedule. And so um, you know, to answer your question about how to get connected to us and to Arm to Farm, really the best place is to go to our Arm to Farm website, and it is armedtofarm.org. And there's a few things I want to point out there. Um, we post anytime we have open trainings, and um, you'll so you can go to the apply um, apply tab and that will take you to whenever we have open applications for armed farm trainings. Um, and um, there's a, a place that says join our network and I would encourage folks to sign up for our armed farm newsletter. Um, and if you're on that newsletter, you'll you will get um, notifications anytime we have armed farm trainings. And um, you know they're going to be offered all around the country and so, um, you know, help spread the word and, you know, share if you know somebody in those states um, as we have trainings coming up. And we also have opportunities and trainings um, beyond just Arm to Farm. Um, we have several other opportunities for farmer veterans. Um, we 
we'll be offering kind of a series of networking events uh, on different locations around the country. And these are just like half day kind of workshops, get together on a farm, um, just as once again, providing a place for farmer veterans to come together and get to know each other and make those connections. It's such a reasonable approach in my mind to share the realities of starting a farm with a transitioning veteran. They're grown men and women who can handle honest truth. So if one of those truths is that while you may have some ideal notion about what you think homesteading or small scale farming is and what it's going to be as a business, but one of those realities may be that most farming operations, big and small, have some form of supplemental income elsewhere. So I was really glad to hear Margot mention this reality during our conversation because I don't think many people talk about it. The other thing that struck me in this conversation was that whenever I asked Margot how they approached dealing with a particular element or problem in a farming operations, she always directed me back to this conversation around goals and those goals being set out from the beginning. To me, this really shows that NCAT understands the nuances and regionality of smaller scale farming. Every situation is different for every farmer based on a host of factors. So while one solution may be right for you, it may not be right for somebody else. So if you're trying to determine how to take that next step in your operation or how and even if your farming operation will be a primary source of income from you, you have to come back to the goals that you set out for your operation from the beginning in the first place and make those decisions support that end state. It seems like such a simple thing to say out loud now, but I think it's often lost in the struggles of early farming operations and really even everyday life. If you'd like to learn more about the Arm to Farm program and the other training opportunities, offered by NCAT, you can check out their main website at ncat.org forward slash agriculture or their Arm to Farm program at armedtofarm.org. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Vets and Ag podcast brought to you by AGD Consulting. If you enjoyed this episode and think other military veterans and supporters would benefit from these insights and stories, please give us a review and share on social media. You can also find previous episodes and learn more about AGD Consulting by visiting our website. Finally, if you have any recommendations of future guests who are military veterans or supporters leading the way in agribusiness, ag tech, or agripreneurship, please send them our way. I'm your host, Mike Desau, and until next time, stay frosty.